Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Daily Sabbath for me is, uh, is an incredible, incredible gift from God. And we talked last week about how um, sometimes you need to break through in order to get into that daily Sabbath. You have, to, you have to break through and you're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places, the Bible says. It teaches us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And, and there are times when you're trying to enter into your, to your daily Sabbath, your daily time with God, where it's more than just you having a headache or, or you being lazy, right? I mean, that's kind of like my issue. And... Uh, it's actually a spiritual warfare going on at that moment. You know, your flesh, the fallen nature, wants nothing to do with the things of God. We are not going to reform our flesh. We need to learn to live in the Spirit, to live a new life, not simply to reform the old life. And so that old flesh works in conjunction with that old devil Right? To keep us away from anything that would draw us nearer to God. Whether it's a daily Sabbath, whether it's attendance to your local church, whatever it may be, maybe worship music where you just say, okay, I'm going to listen to some worship today. I'm going to get my heart right. I'm going to reorient my life where God is sitting on the throne and I haven't kicked Him off. Right? That's one of the things worship does for us. And, uh, and, and the enemy tries to pull us away from that. And so we need to wrestle through, we need to break through, we need to draw near to God. And last week or two weeks ago, we talked about this, God wants me. Now listen, make no mistake about it, you're here this morning, God wants you. He wants you. Now He wants people that aren't here this morning, I'm certain of it. What I'm absolutely 100% positive of is that because you're here this morning, God wants you. He is drawing you to Himself. Whether you're a, you're a guest, a stranger, or a regular attender, a member, you're here this morning because God wants you. And I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. God wants me. Anyone struggle with negative thoughts? Now that should have been the amount of hands that went up for I had a daily Sabbath. You see how backwards this is? You see how backwards that is? You know who wants to trap you into the place where you hate yourself? You know who wants to trap you into that? The enemy wants to trap you into that. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. When I first started dating Trish, I know I'm not supposed to use my family. Sorry, Cap. When I first started dating Trish, very rarely she would say something negative about herself. But once in a while, she would. She would get down on herself or whatever, and I'd say, stop talking about my girlfriend like that. Stop talking. Nobody talks about my girlfriend like that. You follow? 
when you're when you're hammering yourself and you're full of self hatred, and you're 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 calling yourself all sorts of horrible things, you're talking about God's son and God's daughter, His children. Stop putting God's children down. Instead, repent and be restored. That's the series that we're in. Repent and be restored. Take it to the foot of the cross. Bury it under the blood. Declare it paid in full because it is. Stop wallowing. Stop spiraling. You are a child of the living God and He chose you and He wants you. I've been loving this series that was actually one sermon that's now turned into six. Go figure. Last week we talked about the fact that uh, we need not to just have a, a daily Sabbath in the morning, but we need to continue through the day. We need to learn how to abide in Him. The Bible says if we abide in Him, we will have fullness of joy. His joy, and He's concerned about our joy. And I think one of the travesties in the Christian world today is that there's an absence of true joy. There's an absence of the joy of the Lord, not of the joy of things, the joy of the Lord, the joy of His presence, walking with Him daily, because I think sometimes we're so afraid of what He's going to take away that we forget how much He's going to give in return. We're worried that, oh, I won't be able to do this, and I won't be able to do that. Well, forget about all of that. How about you just come to Jesus? Spend time with Him. Don't worry about what He's going to ask you to give up. He may, here's the thing, He may not ask you to give anything up that you're involved with. I mean, unless you're involved with some pretty nefarious sins and just living in sin continuously, which you shouldn't be as a believer. It's anathema to be a believer and to live in unrepentant sin. But folks, sometimes God just He's not going to ask you to give anything up. And then here's the thing. When you're walking with Him and you're abiding with Jesus and you're spending time with Him, when He points something out, it'll be a joy to give it up. How many of you really believe that? How many of us think that? Thanks, Chuck. Thank you, Nancy. Because He satisfies you more than anything else could possibly satisfy you. More than alcohol, more than drugs, and, and good things. More than relationships. Some of you that are searching for that special one. The first special one you have to find is Jesus. He's the only one that can fill all of those voids. And then if He chooses to give you a wife or give you a husband, that's bonus points. That's extra blessings, and not everyone gets them. So, we need to learn how to abide. And, and one of the ways that we do that is what it said in 1 Peter. We talked about 1 Peter where he said, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. We did that last week. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That means set God apart in your heart. Make sure He's sitting on the throne of your life. Have a, have a, a little tabernacle of worship within. A refuge within. Where you spend time with God throughout the day. Abide in Him. Abide in Him. Well, now we're going to move on to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. It's up on the screen. If you have your YouVersion Bible app and you are signed into your account, it's free and generally is awesome. Um, 
you can go down to events, and you will see Emmanuel Church hooks it. You can open that up, and it will have our announcements. It will have how to join a Bible circle, or if you want to be baptized. It has a link to our Right Now Media. If, if you're here this morning, if you're connected to our church in any way as a guest, as a friend, uh, you have the opportunity to create a free account with Right Now Media with over 20,000 Bible studies and kids programs. It's free to you. Our church pays for it as a gift to you and a discipleship tool. That's on that. And then you'll see the sermon notes. And just follow along. If you have um, an account, you can actually take notes and you can save this digital bulletin right there in your account. So the first passage we're going to read is Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a fault or any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want you to hold on to that, maybe underline it in your app or in your paper Bible. Make sure that it's there where you can go back to it and see it and, and, and dwell on it later. We're going to move on now to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 16. Now, James is, a, uh, James is a prove it book. That's what James is. James, um, he sort of is cut of the same cloth as John the Baptist when the Pharisees, uh, when John the Baptist, and this may surprise you, he was baptizing. I know, in the Jordan, and he was, he, was, he was calling people to repentance, that is to turn around, turn from their way to God's way. The kingdom of God is at hand, repent. And then the religious people who are holier than thou, and high and mighty, and super spiritual, they came down and, and they were like, well, what about us? And he says, well, you, you bring me back works, meat for repentance, works in alignment with the changing of your heart and mind. Show it, prove it. That was John the Baptist. And uh, James, similar, it's a prove it book. You show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead being alone. And he's not saying that works is the, is the avenue of salvation. What he's saying is the acid test of your faith to discern whether it's genuine is whether or not you're working and serving Jesus. That's the acid test. We're saved by faith without works. That's what the Bible teaches us. But James is saying, well, true faith will work. It's a byproduct of sincere faith. It's going to work. It's going to do. That's the book of James. And... Um, as I said, he's, he's a real sort of a punchy in the teeth kind of a brother of Jesus, actually. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If the effective, fervent prayer, passionate prayer of a righteous man avails much. Much Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he was just a fallen human being. But he had trusted God. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. This morning, 
we're getting back to good roots. We're getting back to good roots, and we're going to talk about God's support system. God's support system. Now, when we had an addictions recovery um, ministry here, one of the things that the founder of that ministry said, his name was Steve Currenton, he died of a massive heart attack about 10 years ago, I think. Uh, one, of the, one of the main things that, that he would say is that your church is God's support group. Your church is God's support group. We get that from the passages of Scripture that we just read. What did the Bible say? Bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to bear each other's burdens. If you see a brother overtaken in a trespass, we're supposed to restore our brother. We're supposed to restore our brother. This is the importance of the local church. I keep hearing people that have a disregard for the local church and they think that only the universal, worldwide, invisible church exists and that's the only one that counts. Well, that's very convenient, isn't it? There's no one to hold you accountable from the universal, worldwide, invisible church. Now, there's no one that has authority in the universal, worldwide, invisible church, not on earth. There's no one that you're beholden to. And there's no place to really minister where someone's going to say, hey, you're late. I thought this was your ministry. I thought this was your place. If it matters to you, why aren't you here? Right? That's not going to happen in the universal, worldwide, invisible church. It hasn't gathered yet. It's being added to, but the gathering has not occurred yet. So the local church, it's God's support system. And I want to talk about one of the things that, that he said in Galatians, where he said, you who are spiritual, you, did you, did you catch that? How many caught that? If a man's overtaken in a sin, trespass, fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. So there's a couple of words there that are really super, super important and we don't want to overlook and and as I said, like one of them is the word spiritual. We can overlook that word or we can, we can look at that word and think of it in terms of, uh, ooh, look how spiritual he is. He's so spiritual. Oh, he talks about the most deep things of God. I mean, I read his posts on Facebook and the men of God Facebook group, which no one in this church should belong to. That's just my opinion. You do what you want to do, but that, that is a group of false doctrine, false teachers, false prophets, and I can't imagine why anyone would want to be a part of it. That's just my pastoral advice to you. Take it or leave it. It's your funeral. Um, you know, scripture is talks about pastor's admonitions and how it's uh, profitable for you to listen to them and unprofitable for you not to. Anyways, as I was mentioning, spiritual. Look how much of the Bible he studied. Look how much education he has. Look how long he's been a pastor or how long he's been a member of the church and, and he almost seems to walk on water. He's so spiritual. And that's what we think of Spiritual. And yet, when we look at the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians gives us the ability to discern those who are spiritual and those who are not. It gives us the ability to discern whether or not we are spiritual 
and are prepared to step into someone's life to bring that gift of restoration to them. Not everyone should be doing that, but those who are spiritual should be doing that. And if you're not, you're doing a disservice to your brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's take a look at what it says. In Galatians 5.22, prior to this verse, he, he speaks this, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The law is not against such things. That, my friends, is what is spiritual. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And you want to know also, you can uh, dive, dive a little deeper into what is spiritual and what is not. Take a look at 1 Corinthians and read through that. He said, you who should be spiritual are carnal. Are there not divisions among you? Is there not envy among you? Is there strife among you? So if you're here this morning and there's strife and envy and divisiveness, well, you're not spiritual. You're carnal. Okay? You all tracking with me this morning? You enjoying it so far? Look, I got work to do on me. Uh, I also got work to do on you. That's why we're here. So, let's take let's, let's consider this. Uh, love, joy, peace. Love motivated and exemplified by God in creation and at the cross. Is that how you love? I put it this way: that the agape love is a love of the will and a love of the heart. It is both determined and devotional, and it is the highest form of love. The agape love is the ability to love the unlovely. Agape love is the ability to love those who have hurt you, harmed you, and tried to even destroy you. Agape love is a Christ-like love. A love of determination and devotion. Is that present in your, in your life? And And joy, do you have a gladness of heart brought about by the presence and person of Jesus? Now, I understand there are biological disorders that can cause depression. You certainly certainly should seek medical attention for that. You should seek counseling for that. Make no mistake, if you broke your arm and you prayed, Lord, please heal my arm. Right, you might have went to a Benny Hinn service. Broke my arm. They probably wouldn't let you on a stage. I'm just, you go to a place and you say, I broke my arm. Pray over my arm. And they pray over your arm. And if the arm, like this, if the arm is not suddenly healed, what are you going to do now? What y'all going to do? See, I know what it's like to break your arm. I broke my arm. It was flopping over like this. Right about here, just flop. Scared me to death. I was in fifth grade. Sort of did a dare, fell and snapped my arm in half. And um, God didn't. I'm sure my mom and dad prayed for me. My mom says no, <laughs> and that's why I had to be in a cast for like three months or something. You pray over that broken arm and God doesn't heal that broken arm immediately. What did you say you were going to do? You're going to go to a doctor. You're going to go to a doctor and he's going to say, okay, I've got to set the arm. Are you going to say, no, 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 I'm all set? 
What are you going to say? Set the arm. You're, you're probably going to say, give me lots of drugs first. I remember they set my arm. They put me in a fiberglass cast, right? Was it fiber? No, it, was, uh, it wasn't the awesome, cool one that used to paste the stuff on, like the white plaster cast. That's what I was excited to get because my friends had broken their stuff and they had plaster casts and people are signing them and I was all excited. And they gave me this new fame-dangled fiberglass ta- cast that you can barely write on. I remember as a 10-year-old, that was very disappointing. <laughs> very disappointing. It wasn't even colorful or anything like Nate's casts. Mine was just a plain, white, nasty cast. But we prayed and, and God didn't heal that arm how foolish it would, have, would it have been for my parents to say, well, we prayed for it and he'll just have to deal with it now. What would happen to my arm? I'd be preaching like this. It probably would be useless at some point. It would have eventually, bone would have knitted together but at an angle. Why do we treat mental illness any differently when it's a biological component. Why do we do that? Why did I go there? Because I, some people mistake the fact that uh, the joy of the Lord and mental illness, they can exist in the same space. But if you're mentally ill, you should get help for that. You should get help for that. But the joy of the Lord is not dismissed because we have a biological disorder. He is still there. He is still in your heart. And we need to spend time with Him in order to experience this fruit of the joy of the Spirit. If your life is a joyless life, my first question to you is this. Do you know Jesus as your personal one and only Savior? Not works, not church, not religion, not how good you are, but Christ alone. Do you know Jesus? My second question is, how much time are you spending with Him? If you're a believer in Christ and, and, and you're walking sort of in this joyless experience or it's a, it's a quicksilver kind of joy, it comes and it goes. And My question to you is, are you walking with Him in the Spirit? Are you spending time with Him? How much time are you spending with Him? Do you open the Word by yourself or do you just come to church on Sunday morning? Are you part of a Bible life circle? What, what's happening in your Christian walk? that would cause you to have such little joy? Is there a sin in your life? Something that you've not confessed? Something that you're afraid to let go of? Something that's comfortable and familiar? Is there something in your life? Those are all reasons why your joy would not be full. In fact, I believe God chastens us by tamping down our joy in order to draw us back to Himself. That's joy, peace, tranquility, and harmonious relationships. Well, that's disappointing. You mean that one of the signs of being spiritual is to have a a tranquility of my spirit and relationships? How many of y'all spiritual now? Y'all be like, well, pastor, those, those those who are... in sin, those who have fallen in sin, been overtaken by sin, well, they're kind of screwed because uh, none of us are tranquil in our spirit 
or our relationships. That's not good, is it? Why do we settle for less? As believers in Christ, why do we settle for less? Now, I know I probably offended some of you by saying the word screwed. I apologize for that. Just picture a screw and a screw gun and a piece of wood. And you screw that piece of wood in place and then it can't get moved because you're stubborn and it's in the wrong place and so you're screwed. There you go. I feel like that was a good example. This is your support system. And we are all broken. We are all being made whole in Christ. But friends... Stop being satisfied with your spirituality when you don't have any. Stop being satisfied with coming to church once a month. Stop being satisfied with having a daily Sabbath every fourth day. Kind of defeats the purpose of daily, doesn't it? Stop being satisfied with not abiding in Christ. Stop being satisfied with having a loveless existence. Stop being satisfied with relationships that are not harmonious. Stop being satisfied with a soul and spirit that that is in constant turmoil. Why are we not taking advantage of the gifts that God has given to us? The, The joy of the Lord is our strength, it says. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, he says in Isaiah. Why are, we, why are we just sitting here satisfied with something that is less than what God has to offer? Patience. Woo-hoo. Oh, Lord, help me. A slowness of avenging injuries. You take time, you think about it before you react. You bring it to the Lord. Long-suffering forbearance. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells Peter, the pastor, that if you're going to serve Jesus in the capacity of a pastor, you're going to suffer long. And I'm here to tell you, it's the truth. You're going to endure long suffering. But patience is not just endurance. It's an endurance with an abiding joy. It's an endurance knowing that these trials bring about fruit in our lives. It's not, a, it's not a begrudged endurance. Okay, well, i got to get through this. It's an endurance that walks through it with Jesus and says, well, Jesus, I know you're with me, and so I'm good. We're good. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but we're good. Now, I hope none of you were offended by pan out. That is when you go to a river or a brook and you scoop the dirt and you get the gold in case you were offended by piano. Um, fruit of the Spirit is kindness. There's, there is, a, with this word, a sense of more than just being Mr. Nice Guy. It's not just being a nice guy. I know a lot of nice people who don't know Jesus. It's not about being nice. It's about being full of mercy, being warm-hearted, considerate, humane, gentle, and sympathetic full of mercy, approachable. Someone can come to you and know that they're not going to get their head ripped off. Are you spiritual? Are you spiritual? 
or are you content? Well, that's just who I am. That's just how God made me. That's your fallen nature talking, because God made you a new creation. And the new creation is kind. So which creation are you allowing to control your body? Your fallen nature or your quickened spirit? Goodness. A generous spirit. We tend to think of good as simply moral. But in this passage of Scripture, it's talking about having a generous spirit both with things and with time and with mercy and with goodwill and with this idea that how can I benefit others? When I do premarital counseling, I talk about being a minister to your spouse. And to be a minister to your spouse means that you are looking out for their best interest. You are ministering to someone. You're trying to add something to their life that is good. How many of us minister to our spouses? Husbands and wives both. How many of you take the time to serve your spouse? To lead, to guide, to counsel, to protect? Goodness, faithfulness. How many of us are faithful? That means to be loyal. Loyal to God first. To our church. Loyalty seems to be a lost thing today. Commitment, loyalty. We're afraid to step into that space. Well, if you're not loyal to your God and you're not loyal to your church and you're not loyal to your family... Well, you're not spiritual. You say, Pastor, that's hard. Well, let me point you back to the daily Sabbath where you spend time with the one that can empower you. Remember the last point of the daily Sabbath is to say, Lord God, I accept and I ask for the gift of the filling of your Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And the person of the Holy Spirit is what will enable you to live in a faithful way. To have goodness, to have kindness, to have joy, to have love. Walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. We need, to, we need to test our spirituality here. Are these things present in our lives? And to what degree are they present? And has that fruit in your life matured? Or is it still that itty bitty tiny little apple that if you pick it and you bite it, you're going to be sorry? Well, he says gentleness. That is meekness and mildness and forbearance. Gentleness. Meekness, mildness, forbearance. Meekness is not the absence of strength. Meekness is strength controlled. We tend to think of meekness as weakness, and it is the furthest thing from it. It is someone who is so strong that he could crush you with a pinky, but he restrains his strength. I think of Mr. Damon as that, Dave. Big dude. All his life, he's lived with this restraint because he knows he could hurt people. I wouldn't look at Dave and say, oh, what a weak boy he is. Even my son Nate, he's a strong boy. It's almost, he's 16, he's almost able to take me, but I have, he, he says I got old man strength. <laughs> There's a difference between adolescent strength and old man strength. And I said, yeah, because I'm not really afraid of hurting you. I mean, I, I made you, 
I can take you out. <laughs> Gentleness. How many of you are gentle? And we tend to think of this in maybe our homes, or we think of it in our, in our church, and ministering to each other here, and certainly it should be said that the leaders in this church possess these attributes, but what about when you're in the workplace? How about that? When you're the manager over people, I was the lead fabricator at the shop that I used to work at, and I was a lead installer, and can I tell you that when I was younger, the fruit of the Spirit was not fully operating in my life. It was not at full maturity in my life, and I know that because I yelled at people. Not a lot, but when they pushed me and they got that button, I would yell at them, I would belittle them. You know what that shows me? That at 29 years old, 28, 27 years old, that I was not spiritual. I was not mature in the Spirit. How about you? This isn't just a church thing. This is what drives me crazy about church. Somebody got on the fact that I said I hate religion. And I do. Because to me, religion means that controlling, legalistic, show up on Sunday morning, do your good deed, and then go live however you want the rest of the week. That what you learn on Sunday morning doesn't really make a difference on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. As you get toward the end of the week, you realize, oh, i got to go to church again on Sunday. I better start dealing with some of this stuff in my life. And I don't want church like that. I don't want religion like that. I think it's ungodly. It's Jesus every day. It is who you are. You do not practice Christianity. You either are one or you're not. It's your life or you're a hypocrite. And by the way, being a hypocrite doesn't mean that you, you fall and you fail and you don't live up to the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. Being a hypocrite means that you pretend that you don't fall and you don't fail. And you pretend that you are spiritual when you're not. That's what being a, a hypocrite is. Self-control. In our men's meeting yesterday, Brant said something that resonated with me. He's talking about fasting and prayer. And one of the things Brant said was, <clears throat> I'm going to try to get it right, Brant. He said, uh, we need to learn to tell ourselves no. Well, I sat there. I was so moved by that, brother. That was such a huge blessing to me personally, and I don't know about the other guys that were there, but that hit me between the eyes. We need to learn to tell ourselves no just for the sake of telling ourselves no sometimes. Because we need to know how to control ourselves. And in the area of fasting, we tell ourselves no so that we can focus on God in on an area of our life or an area of someone else's life where we are going into fasting and prayer and we are solely focusing on God and telling ourselves no brings our focus back to God, sets Him back on His throne. The second uh, part of this passage was, first of all, be spiritual. Secondly, restore, restore the one who has fallen. Restore the one who is overtaken by sin. Restore them. The word restore is to restore to a forfeited, forfeited uh, condition. To reinstate. That's what we're supposed to do. 
our brother is struggling, we're supposed to come alongside them as spiritual people. And we're supposed to help them. We're supposed to carry their burdens. We're supposed to be their brother and sister in Christ. We're supposed to lift them up and hold them accountable. Folks, that's what we're supposed to do with each other. We're God's support system. But he doesn't just say restore them. He says do it in a spirit of gentleness. Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Part of the issue we have in our churches, and at times we've had in this church, is that we've had an unholy holiness. Say unholy holiness. What is that? It's holiness without love. It's holiness without mercy. And holiness without love and mercy, you do the study yourself. I've studied it out. Holiness without love and holiness without mercy is not holiness. It's not whole. Holiness incorporates love and it incorporates mercy. It's not just the absence of evil. It's the presence of good. (coughs) And so... When we have that in our churches, we have a condemning, judgmental attitude. And people can see it, and people know it. (coughs) Excuse me, even your own brothers and sisters in Christ know, I could never possibly open up to him. Never would I ever open up to this person, because I know that they would condemn me. I just know it. I'll never talk to them about serious things. I'll keep it, I'll keep it superficial, but I'm never going to tell them that I have a besetting sin that I'm struggling with. Never, never. Would never do that. And you know what that means? You're not spiritual. Not the person saying I would never. The person saying I'd never is a person that's been overtaken in a fault and needs help, but he's looking around his church and he says, where can I get it? I could never talk to him. I could never talk to her. This is the importance of growing in your faith and growing in maturity. It's the importance of the fruit of the Spirit blossoming in your life so people can approach you and saying, say, I'm I'm struggling with alcohol. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with drugs. I'm struggling with porn. I'm struggling with illicit relationships. I'm struggling with you name it. But we live these fake lives because we're afraid to approach the ones that are supposed to be God's support system. We're too busy with our own attitudes and our own, our own druthers and I like this and I don't like that and you've completely forgotten that Christianity is not something you practice, it's something you are. You've tied Christianity to a worship style, to a clothing style, to a temperature in the building. You've tied Christianity to your preferences and you've forgotten that you're just a Christian (coughs) and you should be a spiritual one preach it brother I'm getting there oh Lord I really want to finish this today and so we will maybe maybe not let me see Mm, probably not I'll end here. James, we went through Galatians. I'm going to go move on to James now because as, (coughs) dude, (coughs) as I was saying, it dovetails into what I was saying, actually. I can't approach this person. I can't go to this person. I can't talk to this person. How could I possibly do that? I know what it's like, guys. 
I know what it's like to feel that way. I have a pastor friend of mine. We meet every single Friday. I have my pastor's group that I pray with, and I have a man in that group who is my accountability partner. He doesn't just, we don't just hold each other accountable. We lift each other up. Accountability doesn't work if you're terrified of being condemned. You know what happens if you're terrified of being condemned? I've had it happen with me. You lie. You're going to lie to them. If, you're, if you have a, a, a brother or sister in Christ that you're going to because you're struggling and you're afraid they're going to condemn you, eventually, I believe, you're just going to lie to them. You're just going to lie to them. It's hard enough, guys, to open up to somebody. It's hard. That's difficult. Hey, brother, I'm struggling with this. I need help. Sometimes that feels like you're picking up a boulder and trying to roll it uphill just to say those few words. You know, the person you talk to does not have the characteristics of spirituality, gentleness, goodness, kindness, love, joy, self-control. You feel like you're just taking your own life in your hands and you're throwing it away because there's a fear. This is why we have this passage of Scripture. We need to learn <clears throat> to walk in the Spirit. We need to learn to be spiritual. We need to learn to love. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't hold each other accountable. It doesn't mean that we don't talk to each other and confront each other. And, and when I sit down with my pastor brother, we open up, hey, look, I, I struggle this week in this area. And then it's, then it's honest talk. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What actions are we going to take? In fact, I'm going through the course that I learned when I went away for counseling two years ago, His High Places. And the two of us are going through this. I'm being refreshed, and he's getting the living crap beat out of him. Oh, man, I said crap. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> Uh, because he hasn't been through this. I have at least. <laughs> I know what to expect. But it's not for the weak. It's not for the faint of heart to delve into some really hard issues. And he is there every Friday. Why? Because it's important. It's a priority. My son's alternator died Friday. Saturday, Thursday. Nate's alternator and his Toyota Corolla died. Well, it's my car. <clears throat> He's just borrowing it. And so, he's got school next week, um, some finals to take, et cetera, et cetera. I called Grimards. They were going to work with me, give me a deal, but they couldn't see it till next week sometime. They were going to try to squeeze it in. Uh, and so, I decided to YouTube it. YouTube's a wonderful thing. My big brother, Randy, is proud of me because I swapped his alternator out. I didn't hurt myself, and I didn't destroy the car. I diagged it, checked the battery, checked the battery with a load on it. It was the alternator. 
And I had to switch it out on Friday. But you know, I had an appointment with my friend, Pastor Steve, on Friday. Every Friday we meet at 10.30ish. Every Friday. And I wanted to hammer that alternator out, get it done, because he was in school that day, and I just wanted to finish it so he could just take his car. Um, <clears throat> the church chuck had body work done to it, so there was nothing on the property that I could have drive right now. The Mustang is not registered yet. Someone gave me this precious gift, by the way. I so can't even wrap my head around that. <clears throat> so I could have texted Steve and said, I got to cancel today. I gotta, I gotta fix this car. Thought crossed my mind. It crossed my mind. You know why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities and powers. The last thing the enemy wants me to do is spend a couple of hours with this pastor. Helping him and being helped by him. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another. Where does it say that in the Bible? Well, ta da! We're not confessing our sins to each other that we can receive forgiveness. We receive forgiveness from God. Look what it says, though, that you may be healed. You have something in your life that you are struggling with. Hebrews, let us lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. Brother Currenton used to say, sin grows best in the dark. I've been talking to Casey about Alcoholics Anonymous, and this is something that we talk about. That's why they, they stand up and they say, my name is Eric, and I'm an alcoholic, because it grows best in the dark, right? Shame breeds sin. And this is why we need to be spiritual, church. This is why I confronted you so, so dramatically today in whether or not you know you are spiritual or not. Are you, church, are you the kind of person that someone could come to and confess their sin to and say, hey, brother, can you pray for me over this? I'm so done with it. I'm so tired of struggling. I'm so tired of falling. I'm so tired of failing. Would you, would you pray for me? Are you the righteous man? Are you the spiritual one? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit in your heart? Are you approachable? Are you gentle? Are you kind? Are you faithful? Are you loyal? Or would you take that brother's confession and spread it around? Oh, did you hear what Pastor did? That's why people don't say anything. That's why they struggle. They can't find a faithful person. They can't find a person that will just love them. They can't find a person that'll come alongside them and bear their burdens. They just can't seem to find someone. And that's a serious problem, church. We need to be that someone. And so please, don't walk away from this sermon and forget what you've heard. Don't walk away from this without evaluating your spiritual 
maturity. Don't walk away from this without determining in your own heart whether or not you're the kind of someone that someone could come to. Are you faithful? Are you loyal? Are you kind? Are you good? Are you gentle? Are you loving? Do you have joy to offer your brother or your sister who's struggling? Where are you at this morning? Where are you at this morning? We need that in this church. We need that for each other. And in fact, not only do we need it, the world outside needs it. We live in a world that thinks nothing of condemning people who are broken or condemning good people. We live in a world where there's people that are broken and they're wounded and they've been wounded by churches and Christians. And that should be absolutely anathema. I've been saying that word a lot. It should make no sense. It should make no sense that someone outside would say, I was wounded by a Christian. I was wounded by a church. It should make no sense. Now, if the church is preaching the truth, the word of God, and says this is a sin and that's a sin... That's not wounding them, that's helping them. Because sin is hurting them. Sin is destroying what God is creating. But if that church is condemning and hateful and spiteful, that's a massive, massive problem. And I thank God that Emmanuel isn't that way. I thank God for this church that you do love. And that you have mercy, and you have goodness, and you have kindness, and you open your arms to those who are broken and wounded, whether Christian or whether not, and, and you welcome them in. But there's still work to do. A surface love, a surface kindness is not enough. We need to be willing to sacrifice for each other. We need to be willing to step into each other's lives and work with each other. I was so blessed this past week because it was crazy busy talking to people that needed help, that needed to just sit down and, and work things out. Loved it. It's a blessing to me. It's called pastoring, and it's my calling. Folks, we need to do the work of the ministry for one another and for the world. Please stand. As we pray, would you all bow your heads and close your eyes and spend a moment and do an internal inventory right now. Would you do that with me? Ask yourself these questions. Is my life motivated by love? Do I have a, a love of both determination and devotion? Or do I only love those who love me? Ask yourself the question, how's my joy? Is there, is there sincere joy in my heart? 
Have I spent time with God? Am I spending time with God? Am I spending enough time with God? Peter preached that great series. It's not an option, Christian. By now, I hope that you realize it's not an option. When you don't spend enough time with God, when you don't abide in Christ, your spiritual maturity is going to be severely stunted. Do you have a tranquility of spirit? Do you have a harmonious relationships? How are your relationships? And maybe you're just thinking of your wife and you're like, oh, me and my wife, we're tight, we're good. How about you and your brother? How about you and your sister? How about you and your church? How about you and your boss? How about you and your employee? Are you kind? Are you patient? Are you good? Are you generous? Are you gentle? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I have been overtaken. I've been overtaken by a trespass, by sin. I've fallen and I've failed. And I'm so tired and I'm so weary and I'm so beaten down. And I just want to be free from it. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Eyes closed. Let people be honest between them and their God and myself. You've been struggling. You're tired of the struggle. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand, your hand, your hand. Anybody else? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the failure. I'm sick of the falling. Can I ask those of you that raised your hand, have you gone to somebody? Have you asked for help? Have you confessed to someone? Are you finding the support that you need from your brothers and sisters in Christ? Now, I know that there are people in this church that are spiritual. There are people in this church that are spiritual, that you can trust, that you can come and bear your soul to, and that they will help you, and they will walk with you, and they will love you, and they will care for you, and they will not condemn you. And I implore you to find those people Get to know each other. Love one another well. If you're looking at your life and you're saying, well, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that fruit in my life. The first question I have for you is this. Do you know Jesus personally? Or are you just practicing Christianity? If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, Do you know Jesus personally or are you just practicing? If you're just practicing, can I offer to you a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning right where you are, right where you sit? If you're watching online, you too. Jesus died for your sin so that you wouldn't wouldn't pay the price, the penalty. He paid it for you. There is no way to satisfy the justice and judgment of God outside of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The only alternative for coming to the cross and asking Jesus to be your personal one and only Savior, believing that He died on the cross and rose from the grave, confessing your sin to Him, repenting and turning to God. Folks, uh, the only alternative to that is hell. That's it. It's not another religion that you can choose. 
It's Jesus or nothing. And you need Him this morning. And He wants you and He loves you and He cares for you and He created you. Will you trust Him this morning? If you're here this morning, say, Pastor, I want to trust Jesus to be my personal one and only Savior once and for all. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I come before you. I come for you broken. I come before you a sinner by choice and by birth. God, I've done wrong things and I'm so sick of it and I just want to be changed and I want a new life and I want you to be my personal one and only Savior. I believe that you died on the cross and took the penalty for my sin and that you rose from the grave. And Jesus, I believe that you are God in the flesh. And I thank you for your gift. God, Creator, Father, I present to you the sacrifice of Jesus for my sin, past, present, future. And I ask you to save my eternal soul based on His merit alone. And I thank you, God, for being faithful to me, for offering me this free gift that you might receive glory forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're afraid that Jesus would be your one and only Savior once and for all, would you raise your hand, eyes closed? We say, Pastor, that was me. I, I prayed and asked Jesus to save my eternal soul once and for all, and I know that He did. And I am now a child of the King. And you're here, you say, Pastor, I've been struggling with spirituality. I've been content. I've been just riding the waves. You have been given the tools you need over the last six weeks to break through and to break free of your complacency. If you're here this morning, you would say, Pastor, I am determined by the power of God that I will put into practice what I have heard preached. Would you raise your hand and say that? Pastor, I am determined that I will put into practice the things that have been preached and taught. And I look forward to a renewed sense of peace and a renewed sense of joy and becoming the kind of person that someone would be willing to seek for help. You can put your hands down. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for the privilege it is to pastor this church as a broken person, as a person who himself struggles. And I pray, Lord, that you would save souls and that you would redeem them for your glory. I pray for those that are broken and wounded and struggling. I pray for those that are not walking in the Spirit, Lord, that are not mature in the faith. And Lord, as Paul said, they should be ready for meat, but they're still being given milk. I pray that this series, Lord, would open their eyes, would wake them up. The time is short. We're going to give an account for ourselves. And I pray that when it's Emmanuel's turn, it would be a good account. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources, and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.